Welcome to Bar Fights with attorney and advocate Sarah Klein. Taking on issues that matter and advocating for legal, cultural, and political change everywhere in order to protect children and vulnerable adults. Joining the conversation are survivors, advocates, lawyers, media personalities, athletes, celebrities, authors, wellness aficionados, and many more. Because bringing real justice takes a team of experts who care. Now, leading the fight is your host, Sarah Klein. Hey, you guys, and welcome back to Bar Fights. I'm super happy you're here today. This is going to be a great conversation, especially for the mama bears out there, the parents, or anybody that knows a child and anybody that loves a child. This one is for you. Um, My guest today is named Dawn Hawkins, and she is the CEO of the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. We're going to learn about what she does today, but they are the leading organization organization exposing the connections between all forms of sexual exploitation, including trafficking, prostitution, pornography, and child sexual abuse. Topics that we talk a lot about on this show. Um, Dawn is also a mother and she has many, many children and she is recently back from maternity leave and has dedicated her life to this work. And to introduce her, I want to share a quote from Dawn that I just love. She is a kindred spirit of mine. When I read this, I said, she is one of my people. Um, She wrote about why she does this work. And this is what Dawn said. She says, I believe love human connection, respect, trust, and hope are key to experiencing true joy in this life. I am working to build a world where abuse and exploitation no longer stop us from thriving and feeling that joy. I am also striving to give my babies and their future loved ones a culture that honors human dignity. That gave me the chills. What an awesome, awesome quote. What an awesome lady. Dawn Hawkins, welcome to Bar Fight. Hi, Sarah. Hey. Oh, it's so awesome to have you here. We have so much to talk about that we're going to actually do two episodes because there's so much to cover. Um, First, before we get into it, I would love for you to just explain a little bit about the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. Who are you guys? What do you do? Um, fill us in on that, and then we're going to dive into how we protect our kiddos. Sure. So National Center on Sexual Exploitation, you already covered a lot, um, but Primarily, we're focused on preventing the problem. There's so many working in other areas trying to help those who are being harmed and exploited exit and find resources and help. We're trying to stop people from being exploited in the first place. And one of the main things that we see that's been just completely overlooked is kind of the systems and the institutions that enable sexual exploitation to flourish. And in many cases, it's like mainstream corporations that we use all the time, or it's bad policies or not enforcing existing policies. And so we are majorly focused on corporate advocacy and making sure that companies are allies in this fight and not perpetrators, not partnering, not making money off of the exploitation of many others. Um, we also are focused on 
legislation, especially legislation that holds those companies accountable and causes systemic change. And when and if we can't get them to change fast enough, we started a law center so that we could start suing them. So we have just recently in the last couple of years um, started the litigation, civil litigation on behalf of survivors of exploitation. And we're, we've got a bunch of lawsuits and largely they're going well and we're winning in many cases. I know we'll get into it. So. Yay. So you're all over the place. So I was going to say, hopefully the companies and organizations that you're helping prevent me from ever having to meet them and engage with them. Um, But it sounds like sometimes you guys do have to take the legal route also in order to teach these bad guys a little lesson on how to clean things up. Um, That's super, super interesting. So tell me a little bit about preventing Preventative measures. So I know we've got a lot of parents listening. We've got folks whose kids, teenagers um, are on the internet, on the web. Um, Let's talk about prevention just from that level. Um, And then on the next episode, we're going to talk about some of these corporate entities and what we can do there. But just on that basic level of how do we prevent our kids from stepping in to this big old pile of you know what, um, where they could be abused and or exploited. What are some tips that we um, can implement just on that level as parents? I think the sad and like the very frustrating news is that there's nothing that we as parents can do to totally prevent our kids from falling into these issues. They're going to see porn. They're going to be faced with icky people who are trying to take advantage of them. That's for sure going to happen. Um, We can do all we can to prevent it. And I'll share some tips in a second. But really what I need parents to understand is like, there's no magic level lever that you can pull that will just make them safe. Like you lock them in the basement and never let them leave your house. That's the only option. And that is not an option. You cannot do that. And not advocating Um, So one of the things, I mean, we'll get into corporations, but one of the main problems as parents is we don't have enough tools. We don't have enough power right now because big tech has created these massive platforms that we also love. Like I love TikTok. I love Instagram, but they did not build them with child safety in mind. And that is really low on their priority level, no matter what they tell you. (laughs) And so what's happened is like their parental controls are the default features that are automatically turned on when a child um, often has has an account on these platforms. They're not good. They're terrible. And so we as parents don't have enough bandwidth. We don't have the tools to protect them. So I ask you all to come join me and demand that tech give us those tools. They should develop strong parental controls and all those things. But until that happens, what can we do? So really what we need to do is prepare our kids. So take, we need to take all the actions we can to prevent them from being exploited and from uh, being exposed to this content. But really we have to prepare them for when and if they are attacked, they're exposed to it. So some ways. I get, do you want to get into some ways to prepare? Let's hear some ways. I'm going to be taking notes because I have two little girls and this conversation freaks me out. (laughs) 
Teach me, Don. Tell me. What well, do I, I think do? What, one of the things is we do want to use all the tools that are at our that are at our fingertips. So mm-hmm. things like the built-in parental controls, things like Google has an automatic safe search that you can turn on. Um, YouTube has restricted mode that you can turn on. Almost all of the platforms that our kids are using now, finally, have some element of parental controls. Your kids are using Roblox or Minecraft, these like massively popular video games. They have parental controls. So flip them on. That will significantly help to reduce the kind of content and the people that they are exposed to. It's not perfect. And so you have to understand where the shortcomings are, the shortfalls, and then have conversation. So turn on the tools, use the tools. I would say also, I I don't work for them, but I love them so much. Bark. Bark is this incredible kind of, it's a, it's a filter, but it's also a tool that tracks like what your kids are doing on a whole bunch of different apps on, on their, on their um, devices as well. And you can have filters, you can have time limits, you can restrict certain apps. It's all good. But what I love the most about it is that it tracks like 34 different um, topics. I think 34 things like, are they being exposed to predator? Um, Are they involved in self-harm ideation or body image issues or bullying or language that you don't want them to be using? And there's like these different categories. And if they are engaging or receiving messages that fit in there, you as a parent would get a warning. And it's so beautiful because then it's not like you're watching. It's not like you're spying on them. Although your kids, they know that you have access to this, but it it enables you to have conversations with them. And that's what changes the game. When I'll just say, I, I, um, I, one of my family members, I got this for them for Christmas last year, and they have a 14 year old boy, and he was struggling with body image, this sweet, amazing, like all-star athlete struggling with body image issues. And his, his parents had no idea and they got, you know, uh, it came up in bark and then they were able to have these conversations with him and their family is so much stronger and he's doing so much better because they were able to connect. One of my, one of my kids looked up the term masturbation because he's, he was only eight years old and his nephew, uh, our nephew, like mentioned the word to him and he's like, what's that? Oh my gosh, what a blessing. It was so amazing that we knew he was interested in looking that up because then my husband was able to just have this like, he's really of the age, he should learn all of this. And our family again was like strengthened because we were able to have this like very important talk and he knows more about his body and he doesn't have to go to websites to figure that out. So I love Bark. So I encourage you all to get Bark or it's really the only tool that does that. But there's a a bunch of others that are good, like Circle. It's pretty good too. So those are the tools. But now conversations, um, that's really the key is having conversations about these issues frequently and regularly. So um, not making them a big deal. I feel like when we were kids, it was like parents were like, we're going to have the sex talk. One time talk when you were like nine or 10 and then they were done. Hopefully it was that early. Some of us, it wasn't that early. And then they were done talking about it and they didn't want to. We cannot do that. We need to talk about sex frequently and that our kids need to know they can come talk to us about those things. That if they 
have a question about a term that they heard, they can ask us and they don't need to ask Google because Google will give them bad stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so frequent conversations. What do you think? How do you talk to your, you said you have an eight-year-old? Almost eight-year-old. Yeah. And I, I just always say, I, I just wrote this down. Words matter, right? So teaching them the proper terms yes. for the proper things, the proper body parts, and just making it a part of everyday conversation so that it isn't that, like, I remember, like you said, like being a kid and it was kind of taboo and like my mom made it awkward. So I felt awkward. And so I felt like it was just awkward and I would never want to talk to her about this stuff. I hope she's not listening, but I was so embarrassed. But I'm just like with my kid, I'm talking, I'm trying to bring it into conversation regularly, just like, oh, the sun's shining. And then this is this, you know, and, yeah. you know, and everybody this, and it's not this taboo kind of thing. Um, so that, you know, th there isn't that embarrassment or shame around bringing conversations to mom, you know, oh my gosh, I love what you're saying. I will say though. It is awkward sometimes <laughs> to have these conversations. And I found and I hear others like embrace the awkwardness. Tell your kid, look, I feel a little uncomfortable telling you this, but we need to talk about it. It's okay to be like so transparent with them. They will trust you more if they know, even if you feel awkward, you're still going to talk about it. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally. Totally. And tell me a little bit about, um, you know, th this concept of, pornography on the web, right? Like the definition of pornography, I feel like has expanded. It used to be traditional pornography, but now we've got it, you know, different stuff on different levels popping up on these social media platforms um, all over the place. And I'm thinking about, you know, just this, just the idea of like, how do we teach children in age appropriate ways, kind of what this is <laughs> and yeah. what to look out for, or, you know what, cause don't you feel like you're just scrolling through Instagram and you're like, Holy crap. Like, I can't believe they let them put this on here, you know, or stuff like that. So how are we teaching kids just in age appropriate ways? Like what this stuff even is. That's such a good point. Well, and you know, you all, know your kids well you we need to trust them They're like all kids want to be more like an adult they want to do adult things and so we need to recognize that we can trust them with more than we even think we can yeah. um, so starting at young ages I think we need to talk about pornography and be really direct about what it is and what our family's values are around it um communicating yeah. that is really key um but I mean as young as three years old, I'm, I've told my kids, you know, we don't take pictures of our private areas. Um, we don't, I'd say two, actually. <laughs> when they start saying that. Um, and I, I've told them the word pornography and what it is like three, four years old. Um, I have five kids. You said I had so many, many. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't going to disclose without your permission, but yes, ladies and gentlemen, Don has five kids. <laughs> um, but the, you know, and then, and then having regular conversations more and more, especially as they get social media accounts and as they're um, being exposed, 
you know, and it's not just the hardcore pornography that is problematic, but it's the hypersexualized content that's impacting how they view themselves, how they view others in their life, other, you know, the other sexes. And so it's really key that we talk through with them how that's like, it's not real. You know, I was, I was, I, I was thinking the other day, I posted a family picture on social media and we all look happy and we're laughing and everyone thinks I have this great, amazingly close family. It is great. But it, do you know how many pictures it took to get the one where everyone was smiling, looking yeah. at the camera and how yeah. <laughs> we were yelling at each other, like, you know, 20 minutes before. Yeah. And bribed them with candy, right? But like, so telling our kids, like what you see is like the polished one of 500. Like yes. having those conversations at young ages really helps to prepare them for when they do see the harder content and the impact it will have on them. Yeah. 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 I love that. And like, I've been seeing this more and more of like this, this, teenage girl, sexy posing with her friends, kind of this like girl on girl stuff where they think it's sexy to boys and whatever. Um, and like, I'm like, this looks like pornography to me, you know, and, and really having those conversations about why, people are posting this stuff and what the intention is and what they think they're trying to get out of it. Um, there's a, there are so many great resources on your website and we're going to link to it, but there's one, um, that I love and we'll link to it, but it's, it's about, um, 10 easy conversation starters with your kids around this topic. And, um, there, there was one part, um, I love what you said about values. Like this is what we as a family or we as a mother daughter, you know, are gonna, how we're going to approach this stuff. And you're having these conversations and there's this quote in our home. Um, we know to wear our clothes around other people. Um, we only take them off in private or when we need help from someone like mom or dad only, right? Um, sometimes you might see pictures of people who are not fully dressed or who are not wearing clothes at all. And when that happens, we tell mom and dad right away and we can talk about what to do about it, right? Like this just gives you so many ideas and conversation starters about how to have these conversations with your kids. Um, I love the one where it says, you know, I'm not an expert on this subject, but let's learn mm -hmm. together. Why don't you teach me about what it is you're seeing? Teach me about what it's like for kids today. Um, and, you know, maybe your kid says, well, posting sexy girl on girl pictures is what the boys want in the sixth grade or whatever. I mean, we need to learn because newsflash times have a changed, right? We're not sitting around watching Doogie Howser MD anymore. <laughs> like there's Instagram, there's TikTok, there's all this stuff. So, um, and I also love praising our kids for making good decisions, um, praising our kids for telling us stuff, um, praising our kids for being open, but there's just so many great conversation starters, um, that you guys have on your site and so many other resources that I think are so awesome. Um, and we will absolutely post and so in terms of 
preventative measures in terms of these corporate entities, how do we start there? Because I have to imagine, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong, that corporate entities are oftentimes making a ton of money off kids sexually exploiting other kids or the sexual exploitation of kids in general. Um, one that comes to mind that freaked me out was that Balenciaga ad campaign. I don't know if you saw that one. Um, that was in the news, but it was like kids wearing this like S and M and they're like holding teddy bears and they're like, Oh, sorry, we didn't realize this would be offensive. And I'm like, this is straight up pornography to sell clothes and purses. Um, that was horrifying. And I will never, I never bought that brand before, but I will never buy it because of that. But from a corporate preventative standpoint, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, the reality is that a lot of these corporations, they either partner directly knowingly, like realizing that their services are being used for the purposes of sexual exploitation and abuse. Or they just have policies that enable it. So just like some examples. Yeah. Um, Amazon was selling hundreds of child sex dolls. Um, it was crazy. And, you know, Whoa. did Amazon like upload them and sell them directly? Or was it? No, it was people who were using the Amazon platform to sell it. When it was brought to Amazon's attention, it took years of advocating to get them to stop. They have finally stopped selling childlike sex dolls on their platform. But, um, and Etsy, then it was Etsy. And then last year we got Etsy. I mean, I love Etsy. Almost everything on my walls. I love Etsy too. Etsy, most of my jewelry. And, but they were also selling tons of child sex dolls. Last year we got them to stop. Now they're all over eBay. So we're going after eBay. Um, another issue with eBay is they're selling a whole bunch of, like spy cameras, like little tiny cameras, right? And maybe you can use them for lots of things, but the ads like are actually on eBay show women in the shower, show women in locker rooms, show women in like states of undress where they do not know that they're being recorded. Like the ads to sell them on eBay are so nefarious. And so that's like a big problem. And then you kind of go over to the pornography websites and you see, that a, a huge amount of the pornography on like Pornhub and Xvideos, as the biggest porn sites are these like voyeuristic types of videos where it's likely that those who are depicted were not consenting at all. So we've got like this partnership, right? Between like the eBay of the world selling the cameras with the ads that show pornography. You can use it to film women to make pornography without their consent. And then they're uploaded and monetized in huge ways. On Pornhub. We actually have a lawsuit against Pornhub for a case just like this. Uh, uh, um, I don't know, I'm getting a little bit off topic, but there's a sports team um, from South Carolina, a girls field hockey team, women's field hockey team that was playing a game and someone put cameras all in their away game locker room. They were filmed without any knowledge and it was all uploaded to these big pornography websites, monetized, you know, it's been very traumatic for them to get it down. Mostly we can't get it all down. Um, but then there's others like Twitter, for example. Twitter 
like about 13% of all the content on Twitter is porn and prostitution. And that Twitter has a policy that just allows it. They're, they're fine with it. But so then they, they don't have, it, there's so much image-based sexual abuse, so non-consensually created or non-consensually shared explicit material that's been uploaded. And there's rampant child sexual abuse material on Twitter. But because they are making so much money, 13% of their content is this stuff and they're monetizing it. There's just like very little incentive for them to get the image-based sexual abuse and the CCM off of their platform. And so we need to call them out for that. They need to be able to track if those who are depicted are truly of age and truly consenting. And if they're not willing to track that, then they shouldn't have this material. That's our, our argument. Um, I'm just rambling, Sarah. I can no, talk listen, for hours. Listen. Tell me which way to go. Yes, parents listening. Did you hear what Don just said? Your child could be in a sports locker room being secretly filmed and that changing into their outfit. And that could be uploaded to the internet, to a platform such as Pornhub or whatever else, Twitter, whatever else. And you may have no recourse, right? This is shocking. My jaw is on the floor. This is unbelievable, um, shocking, disturbing, scary, and yeah. all the things. The truth is there is no recourse for parents in these oh. kids. Like there, I we get tons of people emailing us, calling us, saying this kind of thing happened. What do I do? And I have to say, there's nothing you can really do because these websites, they are currently immune from removing this material and being held criminally and civilly liable if they don't. Um, and so what needs to happen is we need to become outraged and we need to demand that the companies change and we need to demand that our laws change to enable us to hold these companies accountable that allow for it. Just like another example is since we're talking about kids, Roblox, it's like the most popular game young kids are using. It's made for kids under age 13. They say that 12.8 million users every single day are under age eight, under age eight years old. Yet, when you turn on, anybody can start an account. Any child can start it. They don't even need an email. They don't need parental permission. They just start an account. They can have multiple accounts. And when you turn it on, even if you say you're eight years old, Anyone can talk to you, anyone, strangers, you go into your like fantasy land on the platform and anyone can talk to you. And so predators have flocked there. And since this game's inception in 2016, around then, there have been just like thousands of cases of predators targeting young kids on the Roblox platform because it's so easy to do it. All Roblox needs to do is by default, not allow adults to send direct messages to kids. And there's a couple other things they could do that would help, but that's the biggest one. And yet they're not doing it. I have a case that um, we just filed a lawsuit against Roblox and Snapchat, TikTok, and Discord because this young girl, 10 years old, her parents were in the same room with her. In the same room, they let her play Roblox. She's begging. My 10-year-old is begging also for this game. And 
they thought they set it off, turned off so that only friends could chat with her. No, strangers could chat too. They were chatting. They taught her how to go over to Snapchat and encourage her to go to Discord, encourage her to set up TikTok, taught her how to do it behind her parents' back so they wouldn't know. There they continued to groom her. She was exploited horrifically. <laughs> they even got her address. They got her parents' credit card numbers. They got her to give to them. They started sending her drugs in the mail and she became addicted to drugs. It's so crazy. 10 years old, Sarah. And why did this happen? Because Roblox is allowing adults to send direct messages to a 10-year-old girl. So what is there to do? Fight with me and demand that these companies change. I feel sick to my stomach. I mean, that's one of the worst stories I've heard in a while. Um, I, I Like I said, I get these cases when the bad things have already happened. That's really, 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 really bad. Um, and I, I cannot believe it. My jaw's on the floor. I know everybody listening cannot believe it. So when we say, Dawn... Join in the fight. How do people listening practically join in this fight? How do they find you? How do they help? How do they demand change? Well, the most, the like easiest way to help us is to go to dirtydozenlist.com. Every year we name 12 mainstream companies that are facilitating and partnering with exploitation. And we, with a grassroots uproar of people, demand that they change. And so often they do change. And so go to dirtydozenlist.com and there's 12 companies you can go take action on right there. But there's other of you watching. I mean, I think, listen, your audience there is probably a lot of legal people, a lot of attorneys, a lot of people interested in public policy. And that's also where we need help. Right now, before Congress, there's three key bills for child safety, the Kids Online Safety Act, Earn It Act, and the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. All of those need to they need to be passed. So calling your legislators and asking them to vote yes on these bills, getting involved, coming out here to DC, we would love to walk you around and meet with your members and ask them to support it. Um, at the state level, likewise, there's some legislation that could happen in the, at the state level. For example, why don't these devices, the, iP the iPads, the all of the smart devices default to safety if it's a child that's using it. They already have these parental controls. On Apple, it takes almost 31 steps in three different locations to turn on the parental controls. Just turn it on, just by default, turn it on. So there's some ways. <laughs> wow. So do you guys hear that? Dawn just offered for her team to walk you around in Washington, D.C. to meet with you meet with your representatives and legislators. That's insane about Apple. I'm not surprised, um, but that's insane. And the bigger question that we all need to be pondering is why is child safety not the very first thing, the very, very, very first priority? Why is money, brand, um, you know, industry more important than child safety? That's a rhetorical question because um, I think we we know the answers to that in terms of priorities, but 
We're going to leave it there for this episode of Bar Fights. We're coming back next week with more of Don Hawkins. I'm at the edge of my chair. Um, you guys, I'm sure this episode has blown your mind. Um, we're going to link to where you can find Don at the National Center on Child Sexual Exploitation. But you guys, roll up your sleeves. Get involved. These are your kids, the kids you love, the kids you know, your friends, ki- your friends, friends, your kids, friends, all the things. We'll be back next week with more Don Hawkins here on Bar Fights. Thank you for listening to Bar Fights with attorney Sarah Klein, taking on issues that matter. Please check out our website at barfightspodcast.com, Instagram at barfightspodcast, or Twitter at barfights underscore pod for the latest show updates and archives.